I hope everyone has been enjoying the Stoic Advent episode so far. It's been really fun to connect with everyone in a different way and share my love of Stoicism with you. But fear not. This has not become my new soapbox for all things stoic. I still have plenty of other spiritual and astrological content coming for you in 2024. I'm really trying to expand in various different ways. I'm going to leave that a little, going to leave a little mystery here right now and not going to give you all the details, but I'm definitely going to expand. It's still going to be spirituality in all forms. So it's not my stoic soapbox. Don't worry. This will be the last non-Advent episode of 2023, and I'll resume in 2024 with where we left off in our palmistry studies. I want to take a moment to sincerely thank my patrons, both past and present. It's wild to me that you support me, a complete internet stranger, and keep me from having to degrade myself and assault your ears with mattress and vitamin ads. But more importantly, you help keep this podcast ad-free for others. I'm so grateful that I'm able to be even the smallest of a resource on someone's journey to self-discovery. And it's because of the people that support my work by being patrons or buying services from me that I can do that. So if you haven't said thank you to the people who support me yet, then open the nearest window and holler a huge thank you out into the ether for them. We're ending the last episode of the year with an amazing talk with an even more amazing astrologer. I got to sit down with Narayana Montufar and explore her new book, Moon Signs. Narayana is an astrologer, an artist. She's the senior astrologer of astrology.com and horoscopes.com. Her work has been featured in places like Cosmo, Vogue, and Style, Bustle, and Women's Health. She's a writer, an editor, and honestly, an all-around spiritual baddie. Her book, Moon Signs, is an amazing resource for beginners who want to deepen their connection to the lunar side of life. We talk about everything from why Scorpio is in fall when it's in the moon and how the moon can indicate eating habits to our relationship with our mothers and why our progressed moon is so important. If you're wanting a book that serves as a great introduction to all things moon in a concise and beginner-friendly way, then definitely grab a copy of Narayana's book. I want you all to give this vibrant Leo moon the warm welcome she deserves as we muse about the moon. So give a big welcome to Narayana Montufar. Your book, I love it. I love it. The Libra rising in me loves the aesthetic of it. It's a nice hardback, which I always appreciate. The colors, everything is, you know, gorgeous. So tell tell me a little bit how you came to write Moon Signs. Like what was the impetus to writing your book? Well, you know, originally it was going to be about the luminaries. When I was approached by Herdy Grant, my publication um, company, they originally wanted to write, I think it was like a sun-moon combinations or something like that. But to be honest, it just kind of naturally progressed towards just the moon. And I think it had a lot to do with my own personal journey with the moon because um, my progressed moon was going to be in what is going to enter Pisces in that whole process, you know which is very interesting because my south node is in Pisces. And so 
I had just come to the end of a journey. And I think that has something to do with it for sure. It just kind of worked out that way. And I'm really glad because I got to deepen my connection with the moon and all things things moon and um, to really connect with my own lunar energy as well. Yeah, because in the book, you mentioned you're a Leo moon, correct? Yes, I'm a Leo moon. Yes. So whenever I see the sun, Leo, in the place of the moon, I think that's one of the tougher places. I know it's not um, in fall or detriment, but I always think it's like you're kind of swapping the light of it. So I was interested to hear that you're a very lunar person or you like connecting with lunar things. So can you tell us a bit about your journey with the moon, like how you came to love the moon? I think everybody has that point where they're like, oh my gosh, I love the moon. So what was it for you? Well, it's really interesting because when I got my first astrology reading as a teen, it really what what really struck me about my Leo moon is that it really described my relationship with my mother. <laughs> my mother is a Sagittarius stellium. And so even though she has no Leo placements, she literally behaves like a Leo to me. I remember the astrologer said, "Oh, is your mom like a party mom?" You know, like really happy. I was like, my mom's a party mom for sure. And I have a moon Mars conjunction in my chart too. And so that was one of the big breakthroughs that I had in terms of figuring myself out, how I react to emotional situations. And that was really helpful because it, it, it really put a, it really illuminated a lot of things for me that I wasn't aware of, right? Because the moon rules all of the subconscious. The truth is that it has helped me a lot to, first of all, better my relationship with my mother. Not, not that it's bad, but, you know, as a single, as a single daughter, it's always been like two of, the two of us alone. And then to control my my anger a little bit, because I have, you know, Moon and Leo, Mars and Leo in the, I think it's a decan of Mars in a Mars rule degree. It's explosive. And so for me, that was a big breakthrough. Like, of course, there are other places, in, in, there are other placements in the in the chart. But my moon was really opening the door to that hidden part of myself. And ever since I started working with that, I feel like my life has changed dramatically for the better. Yeah, I really liked in the book, you mentioned the moon indicates our primal needs. And I'm a very Mars ruled person. So for me, my, my moon is an Aries moon. So it's it's very intense. It's very primal. And I loved the way you put that. And when you mentioned in the book about mother, the relationship to the mother, if you just look at your own moon, I was like, that is actually very, very accurate. Because in astrology, as you know, the moon does represent the mother, the feminine, all of those things. So it can literally be as simple as thinking, what was your relationship with your mother like? And you look at your moon and you can kind of see what it was like. But would you say also see how to work with it and to understand that relationship more? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, ever since I wrote that book, I've been diving deeper into past lives. Mm -hmm through um, a training that I did on the Akashic Records. And 
I've realized that the moon is even so telling of past lives because it is primal. It's very instinctual. It's going to say a lot about our experience in the past lives, of course, because it also relates to the lunar nodes. But the more and more I I dive deeper into the moon, I, I can see a lot of past life stuff that wasn't totally healed or that was transferred from a past life into this lifetime. I mean, there's just so much room to talk about the moon. That's why I have a, a, a reading just for the moon as, as one of my offerings, because you can literally spend an hour talking just about the moon. And so it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, from, from what I've been seeing in my Akashic Records readings, a lot of the past life regressions that we do relate to our relationship with the moon, where the sign it is in, what it is connecting to in the birth chart, and how it evolves over time. And that makes so much sense because if we're looking at our solar world, our our external world, which is the sun and all the masculine placements, those are out in the open. And if the moon is representing this unconscious layer, it would be very much connected to past lives and past life regressions. I want to talk about how you say that the moon is the full spectrum of emotion. So could you give me an example of how an Aquarius moon might experience their emotional spectrum versus a Virgo moon? How do being in the certain signs, how does it change how you experience the emotional spectrum? Because we all feel anger, sadness, happiness, joy. We all feel that. But it seems like within the signs, that kind of that spectrum changes a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up Aquarius because I think it is a very interesting. It is. It's a very interesting sign. And, you know, as you probably noticed, I use the modern rulerships for the book I, I i decided that right i decided that i also use the traditional rulerships oh like personally yeah it depends on the technique you know like for example if i'm doing a tra- if i'm using a traditional technique like for example in the solar return chart right mm-hmm. i use the traditional rulerships but if i'm using a modern technique i use the modern rulerships i use both I think there's value in it. But in this case, Aquarius is ruled by Saturn and Uranus, right? And so we have one of the most interesting emotional experiences here. Because to me, Aquarius is the sign that has one foot in the past. You know, that Saturnian, that traditional kind of, um, it's kind of a stoic still, you know, kind of coming from Capricorn. But then there's that other foot in the future. And so... I think that everyone, not even just the moon, but everyone with with heavy Aquarius is like, those experiences are always like, oh, whoa, I'm pulled between two different directions, like tradition and all of that. And but I want to break tradition. I want to know the rules so I can break the rules. And so an Aquarius moon is not an easy moon to have. (laughs) That's the truth, right? No, a lot of them that I know, they're they're very conflicted. Mm in their own emotions, how they feel. They People always say they're very aloof and they are, but they aren't. You know, I think they're just always constantly trying to figure it out. Exactly, because they're always kind of, there's that dance between the past and the future and, and what the present looks like for them. You know, just to give you an example, you know, it would be someone who 
this is just a total example, but it's something that will illustrate really well what an Aquarius moon is. is let's say someone who is happily married and wants to be in a monogamous relationship, but then they always have that yearn to like maybe open the relationship. It's like it's basically 2024. Why not? I think lunar Aquarians are here to experience that, you know, and, and it is that conf, that conf, those two conflictive energies that create their emotional nature. The difference from an Aquarius moon to a Virgo moon, I just always see the Virgo moon very, it's extremely intellectual. You know, these are the people who will connect over sexting instead of, right? It's like sexting is like intellectual. It's, it's kind of like this love for the mind. And it's really important for them to know this because they need to understand that other people don't feel the same way. And I've had those conversations, you know, with, with Lunar Virgos. They say, oh, when I say that I have the moon in Virgo, people go like, ooh, why is that? And I said, well, you need to understand that you can't intellectualize emotions. It is natural for you, but you need to understand that other most most of us don't see them from that analytical lens. And that really helps them to become a little bit more objective in the way they see relationships. So it's different to Aquarian moon in that sense that for Aquarian moons, it's like, you know, that that kind of like conflictive energy that you were talking about. But for Virgo moons, it's like, it's kind of bringing all the energy from the head to the heart because at the end of the day, the moon rules emotions. And so just by doing that, I feel like they can see a little change in the way they approach emotional scenarios and conversations and relationships, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're having a relationship with someone, you need to come from the emotional side as well. I love the imagery of someone who is has a very like lunar Virgo coming from the head to the heart. And it also feels like lunar Virgos are editing their emotions as they go. They're they're constantly <laughs> like trying to keep them tidy or editing them, you know, labeling them, trying to understand them. And that's very natural to a lunar Virgo. Another thing you mentioned in the book that I was really interested in, there's one like big, real, real big thing that I think you did amazing in the book, but I'm going to save that for last. But something you mentioned was just eating habits and sleeping habits. You can kind of glean things about that from the moon. So let's use different examples. Let's use um, let's use a Taurus, who's an exalted moon, which we know. I think we all know what the moon is in Taurus. We're all like, let's get cozy. Let's eat snacks. Like, let's, you know, just be happy. Let's use Taurus and um, Pisces. We use Taurus and Pisces. Can you say how maybe they're sleeping? and eating habits would develop with, under the moon with those signs. Yeah, of course. And of course, we always look at what the moon is doing, right? Like the aspects and that yes. will bring another layer. But, you know, and this is, this is something that we always have to keep in mind. Exaltations aren't always necessarily great, okay? Just how detriments are not necessarily bad. For example, I, I know a, a good amount of lunar Taurians. Of course, they're going to have a sweet tooth, <laughs> right? It's like cakes and give me this and give me that. But because the moon rules the stomach, that's why we're talking about eating patterns because the moon rules the stomach, sleeping patterns because the moon is the luminary of the night. But I would say with a Taurus moon, you definitely love food. You definitely probably love to cook food. Like you have that like warmness about you that attracts people. And 
probably this has nothing to do with what you asked, but also very good at like sustaining business, making money, financial, right? It's very financial because you like nice things. Um, but definitely you should watch your appetite as a, as a tourist moon because it's never going to be enough, right? There's never going to be enough cakes. And like, so that's something to watch depending on other aspects. I know some tourist moon people that struggle a little bit with weight, for example. It's because the moon wants more. So it can be great, but it also needs to be a little bit watched because the moon is exalted there. She kind of takes over, right? She kind of takes over the chart in a way, depending on the house as well. But the Pisces moon, I feel like it's just more, a little bit more, I see the Pisces moon just a little bit geared towards the non-tangible side of life, right? So while the Taurus moon is very tangible, it's very like, let me touch this, let me feel this, you know? The people that will probably smell their food before they, they even start eating it. Pisces moon, again, it can be amazing or it can be too much because you can be an incredible musician. I just had a Pisces moon person come to sing in my, uh, at my birthday. They can be super artsy and really psychic and very in touch with the other side. Mm-hmm. These are the people that talk to ghosts or, um, or grew up with one. But then, of course, there's, the si- there's that other side of like, escaping reality and you know so it's finding that that healthy balance because of course I always practice astrology on the positive side but we always have to be aware of the shadow and it's fine if you go in between it's normal that's being human but being aware of like okay this is shadow Pisces like I'm just spending too much time sleeping daydreaming or just not having boundaries in my relationships well you know that's the shadow side of pisces right but for the most part it can be amazing because the moon likes to be in pisces it's watery it's psychic it's intuitive it's artsy so it can be a beautiful thing as well both really beautiful moons but again it becomes too much of a good thing exactly it's too much there's no there's no way there's nothing saying like hey we need to we need to stop now yeah, there's too much. Some that, I'm glad you brought up the lack of boundaries with Pisces moons. I was hoping you would bring that up because they really do struggle to form boundaries with self and other. That's that's one thing that I have seen with a lot of my Pisces moon clients that they really struggle with that. And, you know, it's not that they're because the moon is subconscious. This is something really important to understand. You're going to notice your sun sign really well. Maybe your rising sign, maybe your Mars, right? And even your Venus and Saturn. But the moon, it's going to take you a little longer to figure out why, because you're doing all of that subconsciously. You don't even see yourself doing it. That's why when, when Pisces moon asked me, it's like, well, I just don't know where the boundaries are. I just don't know what's too much. What do I do? And I say, observe, observe other people. You're very psychic, right? So. You can feel people's emotions. You can feel, you can, you can literally tell how people feel without they telling you, well, observe how they react. Or maybe you also ask people who you trust. That's what I do. And I don't even have a Pisces moon. Pisces is my south node. So I said, what, what do you think? Is this too much? Is this crossing the boundary? Or and you, you, do even, you even do check-ins, right? Hey, is this too much? And then you start learning where to set the bar. But the truth is, Pisces moons don't know where the boundaries are. 
they need to find them or or they need to be told where the boundaries are so they don't cross them right it's not that it's a it's a bad thing i just always explore i just always kind of explore that moon sign thinking about the ocean so imagine you're in the ocean there are no boundaries there's that's great for certain things but when when you when you're like in business or when you want to have your own time that's when you need to worry about it yeah, there's a vastness to Pisces moons that can be kind of hard to navigate. Now, you mentioned just a second ago, that you, I think you kind of hit on or they struck my memory of day and night charts. So do you think that night charts all embody their lunar self a little more? That Would you say that they embody that luminary more? Because I even know people that depending on whether they're a day or night chart, they go by that luminary. So instead of me saying I'm a Sagittarius, they I would say I'm an Aries. I, I know people do that. I don't do that personally because I have so much Sagittarius energy that it kind of negates it. But more often than not, people think I am an Aries versus a Sagittarius. And I had always wondered if other astrologers also really put a lot of emphasis on sect in that way. I mean... I, I would look at the whole configuration of the chart and how many planets are above or below the horizon and also like which is the most elevated planet. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it really matters. The best example is if you're Leo, let's say you're Leo rising and you were born at night. For the most part, you're not going to be like all of that explosive or like attention seeking. So for example, for that person in particular, and I was just writing a report for a baby that was born as Leo rising with um, and, and was born at night. Well, for this baby, that will be one of the learnings, like how to feel, how to be comfortable with being seen, how to, ex- to how to express their gifts in a way that feels comfortable for them because they won't at the beginning until they're aware of it. So I, I, I really stress that point is like this baby should be even the room to be creative and express themselves. But they also need to, their their parents need to be aware that there's going to be this kind of like light, dark game, like you were saying, of like wanting to show, wanting to show up, right? But then being kind of afraid of it in a way, or maybe fear is not necessarily the right word, but I do feel like there's this, that comes from a past life, like something happened in a past life that prevented this person from shining. Or And so this incarnation will be about finding that balance. Do you mind sharing where the moon was? Like, was it above the horizon line in that chart? No, no, it was below. The, the moon was also below. So everything was kind of like below. So not even the emotions were, you know, being projected outward. Yeah, no. And, and the moon is in Capricorn mm. also. Well, that's a good place to start to, to kind of segue. Can you talk about the exaltations and uh, like domicile of the moon? Yeah, of course. Well, we talked about um, the Taurus moon, right? Mm-hmm. So Cancer moon, you want to talk about Cancer moon? Yeah. And that's one where I say, you know, everyone thinks it's great to, you know, be born on a full moon or have a Cancer moon. And I'm like, you do not understand the amount of emotional responsibility that takes and emotional awareness that that takes to really embody that placement in a healthy way. It's very, it's a lot of energy to embody it in a healthy way because there's a difference between being emotional and emotionally intelligent. 
And I think that's something that cancers really have to, cancer moons especially, have to like thread that needle. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. Well, I, I, I always kind of look at it this way, right? If you have a cancer moon, yes, you have emotional responsibility, but also life responsibility. You know, you either end up being the nurturer of your entire family of you end up sustaining your entire family. So we always forget that cancer is a very tenacious sign as well. Kind of similar to Scorpio. I always like to visualize the animal sign. And so we always say, oh, cancer is homey and nurturing. They cook well. They have a lot of other characteristics that relate to being a tenacious sign. And so a lot of cancer moon people literally carry their entire families. And I'm not saying this in a bad way. I think, I think that that's, that's a gift. But like you said, all of a sudden, they're like sustaining everybody and everybody relies on them because they're so loving and they, 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 they want to care so much. Sometimes they, find they, don't, they can't find that healthy balance between do I take care of myself or do I take care of grandma? Do I take care of my mom? Do I take care of my aunt? So that is something really important to bring to somebody. What about you? with a cancer mood. What about you? Do you take care of yourself? Do people take care of you? I see a lot of cancer sons doing that as well. They're cooking for the boyfriend, cleaning for the boyfriend. La 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 la. It's like, did the boyfriend ever do something nice for you? And and that goes with your that goes well with your comment of we think it's great, but there is a lot of responsibility for others with that placement. So I agree with you for sure. And the tenacity, I think, comes from cancer being a cardinal sign. We forget. I think a lot of people forget that cancer is a cardinal sign. It spearheads things. You know, it takes things on. It takes on responsibility. It's not afraid to spearhead all of those emotional endeavors, those family endeavors, the things that literally keep the lifeblood of a family alive. It will spearhead those. And you know what? The animal sign walks sideways. Mm-hmm. So that tells us a lot about how they can actually do things differently if they allow themselves. They, they can find solutions to problems that other people can't think about. So if they allow themselves to move sideways instead of forward or back, you know, I think that I feel like that's the magic for for cancer. And when you think of the other, it's not it's not a crab, but it's a you know, it's, it's the, the Scorpio. It's similar enough. All my animal people don't come for me. So you have the scorpion then, and that is in fall. So I get this question a lot from people because they'll be like, well, I have a Scorpio moon and it's in fall, but I don't understand because Scorpio is a water sign and the moon should love being in a water sign. Why is it in fall? Why is this a place that the moon doesn't like to be? So can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, of course. And okay. Yeah. You can think about it as water, right? But think about it this way. Uh, and I think it was um, Divine Harmony who I got this from, because I, I like to say, you know, we should always share who we get these ideas from. I love this. It's very simple, but it had never occurred to me. Think about all the water signs. Cancer is a river. Mm-hmm. It flows. Pisces is the ocean. That's why there is no boundaries and all of that oceanness and majesticness. Scorpio is the swamp. It's fixed. It doesn't move. It's stagnant. And it's fixed. Yeah, it's stagnant. Exactly. Yes. Do you really think the moon would like to be in a swamp? 
I don't think so. It's almost like too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like too much emotion. And also for those who are having trouble with that, and, and I remember in my astrology class, which was still in person, people were having that question. I say, why? So but think about having Mars, not only Mars, but Pluto ruling your emotions. That's a lot. Mars in itself is a lot. And if you add Pluto, that's intensity. And I'll, pretty much everyone, at least you, you can tell me that's your experience, but pretty much everyone that I've read for that has a Scorpio moon has very intense relationships. I maybe being diurnal Mars is they're very intense. My moon's also in the seventh house. So I am a relationship driven. I've always said I will pick my relationship over my friends any day. I am I am always I've always been that relationship girl. And they are always very intense. It's long monogamous relationships that I'm it's always long term that and they are very intense. It's like I will die for you. Immediately. <laughs> like, you know, it's 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 honor. It's, you know, I'm here for you. And if I don't receive that back, it's a betrayal. It's intense. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's very to me, it seems commonplace. Uh, my husband's also an Aries moon, so we kind of get it. We are both both intense with each other. But I've been with people who are not. I mean, maybe like two people, most I usually gravitate towards Aries moons because of that intensity mm-hmm. that you're speaking about. If I don't have that, my moon is not getting what it needs. It's not being fed what it needs to feel alive. So yeah, I would say that's true. You're either you're either ride or die if you're if you're a Mars moon. Exactly. <laughs> and and think about it, like the difference between Aries and, and Scorpio moon since they're both ruled by Mars. Mm-hmm. But the Aries moon is like, you're very direct about what you need. You, yes. you tell, you mm-hmm. say, I need this, right? I'll I fight need for this. it, yeah. Exactly. Scorpio moon people, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't tell you this is what I need. They expect it. They're still figuring out what they need, right? They're still... It is that long journey of figuring out and being able to express it because there's this secrecy. So that's the difference between a Mars ruled moon and a Mars and Pluto ruled moon. You have a, and you also have a plan, you know, you have an agenda on how things should go, but you don't say it. You expect, you want somebody to naturally, I'm a Scorpio sun, so. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, you naturally expect for people to know this is how it should, how it should be. But the truth is, that's not the right way to look at it, right? If you, let's say you're a Scorpio moon that needs to have sex every night, you're going to have to tell your partner that. <laughs> right. You need to communicate that. But this is more that they want. They Since it is water still, I feel like they, they deeply want that intuitive knowing. They want someone to know automatically. And that's not conducive to the moon. And when you mentioned the swamp, what like the image that came to mind was like, you know, like a body in a swamp that slowly decays and falls apart. That's kind of what I see. It's like, cause there is that death signification with Pluto, transformation, resurrection. So I see something falling into the swamp and it's like slowly over time, just disintegrating. Exactly. So that's, that's how we can take a look at, at, at the difference between these water signs and why why? And also, obviously, it's because Scorpio is the opposite sign of Taurus. And, but if you think about 
Pluto ruling your emotions, that's enough for you to think, whoa, that's intense. And then let's talk about Capricorn a little bit, because I've gotten those where people, you know, Capricorn moon's like, oh, man, my moon, my moon sucks. It's a Capricorn moon. I don't like it. And I'm like, well, that's no, no way to look at it. Like, so let's talk about the Capricorn moon, why it's in detriment, but also what, what goodness can come from it. I got to tell you, <laughs> okay. This is one of those placements that follows me. Follows me. Okay. Because uh, it's my midheaven. So my husband has it. My boss has it. My other friend has Basically, like, I realized that everyone that stays in my life for a long time <laughs> has a Capricorn moon. They staples. We all have those placements, right? I really dislike, and this is why I'm not, I'm not a person who follows memes or anything like that. I don't hate them or anything like that, but I just think that they're so, I mean, some of them are fun, but most of them are boring. But that's why I don't like that depiction of certain signs, for example. And I think Capricorn is one, it's one of them. Just being labeled as money, career oriented businessy, CEO, money, all of that. Okay, some of that is true. But it's also the way that we've put the picture of, of what Capricorn became before it had a tail. In mythology, the, the animal sign has a tail. Mm-hmm. It's the seagull. Yes. It's just we started depicting it as just a goat going up the mountain. But Capricorn has a very sensitive side. Capricorn moons. They don't show it. They're not that great at showing it. This is really important for us to understand. The opposite sign, the rulership of the moon, cancer is like, oh, it's like tears and everything's out, right? Everything's out. The tears, the emotions. Capricorns also have that, Capricorn moons, but it's in the, on the inside. You have to really win their trust. They don't open very easily, but they do feel. <laughs> and they're not totally career-oriented. And, and they're some of the most dependable people actually. Why? Because there's a Saturnian, it's like, when I'm in, I'm in. And those are the people that are going to show up for you. I think that it's a little, to be honest, I think it's a little bit exaggerated from my experience and from having so many Capricorn moons in my life. It's just that these people do need to, I mean, what I would say is they need to learn how to express their emotions. That's what I've been working with my husband for for years. (laughs) And, and, (laughs) And, you know, he has gotten way better mm-hmm. just by being conscious about it. For example, years ago, I needed to make room for him. I would tell him, you can be upset. It's all right. It would be nice, actually, if you got upset. I would actually like to see something <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> and, and now I think he, just by being conscious about it, he, he's learned how to, that it's okay to express themselves. And this is the thing, you know, Capricorn moon people, they the relationship with the mother always has some sort of not a disconnect, but but some sort of disconnect. A coldness, a hardness, a coldness. I feel. Yeah. Exactly. Like I think 80% of the people that I've read for relate to that. And so imagine if the mom and the baby or, or at least the mom is told that right from the beginning. That would make a big difference, you know, to always keep those lines of communication. I know a lot of Capricorn Moon people who are very industrious, like like they say, but their moms are like their business coaches or something like that. You know, it's like, okay, that works. There's obviously a past life connection 
and then something to look at that. But I don't feel like it's honestly, I don't feel like it's that bad of a placement like a lot of people think it is. I think it's a little bit exaggerated. And if you think about this, in traditional astrology, they see Saturn as a female, you know, with the moon and Venus. It's kind of like a grandma, kind of like grandma energy. I don't know. I I, I love Capricorn moons, but I, I mean, I think they do need to work a little bit on their expression of feelings just so they so that can, people can reflect what they need. I think that they may be prone to internalize because there's a lot of restriction around emotion and it can come out as a depressive episode or just kind of getting down on themselves. They honestly get down on themselves more than anyone else really does. Like they they are really pushing it down by their own accord, it seems. But I really I just want people to know that just because you have a moon that's in detriment. It doesn't mean you don't have feelings. It just means you don't know how to recognize and be aware and work with your feelings. My husband, who's a triple Capricorn, you wouldn't notice because you, can, you can't tell. He wonders, he's like, oh my God, how do all these people live with all these feelings? He thinks I'm too emotional and I'm a Leo moon. So he's, he's like, how do you live with so many feelings? Because he, he doesn't experience the ups and downs. It's steady. It is, that's the it's positive steady. of it in the human experience is that there is a sturdiness because it's earth. There mm-hmm. is a sturdiness to it and they are able to be leaned on and they can carry. They might not understand what you're going through like a cancer moon will, but they'll still let you lean on them. Exactly. Exactly. That's And that's what I love about that like kind of Saturnian energy that Capricorn moons have. All the detriments and all of that. I I understand and I go by them, but I also don't label them like something that can't be better or can't get better. Like I would say the Capricorn moon people, like what what they need to work on is expression, right? Because most likely they weren't able to express themselves when they were kids, right? Like opening the throat chakra and self-care. Self-care is something that all of them need to embrace because they just don't know how, right? They just don't know Oh, how do you practice self-care? And Saturn's not really a self-care ruler. You know, Saturn isn't the ruler of self-care by any, any means. Uh, So I could see that being like completely like foreign. If anything, Saturn is more about donating your time to others and helping others. And really, it really likes charity. So I can see it being hard trying to flip that lens on yourself and giving to yourself. Totally. Absolutely. And I think Saturn, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about legacy. I love that legacy. That's great. It's that career oriented. It's about legacy. It's like, what am I going to do for the world? What, what am I, what am I here to do? I'm here to do something big, right? Any Capricorn placements, like they know that they're, they're here to do something big, but that is that being a CEO, maybe, maybe for 10 years of their lives. And then they'll realize (laughs) that there's something bigger that, that is, about their legacy here, here on earth, right? Obviously we go through different stages. And so there's more to Capricorn than wanting to be the CEO. That is the word that I want everybody to start putting when they, when someone describes Capricorn, I want everyone to start saying legacy. Like that is the word that needs to be next to it instead of like money. We're replacing money with legacy, everyone. Yeah, because that, that's the shadow side of Capricorn, right? And, and, and I mean, look at this, we're experiencing it not to get too off the conversation, but we're experiencing that, like the end 
of the shadow side of, of Capricorn with all the materialism, you know, and all of that. And so now we can move on and think about legacy. I love that. So we've been talking a lot about, we've just been throwing it around, I think, because we're astrologers, so we know what this means. But we've been really throwing around the terms feminine, masculine a lot. And I have said this from the dawn of time, and I'll say it to the end of time, but this does not indicate gender. Because you bring up, you know, the feminine, the lunar, the yin a lot in your book. So I want you to talk about how do we get people to understand that this isn't a gender thing that we're talking more about a human psyche, the polarity of the psyche. Can you speak on that? Of course. And I think it's one of the most important things to talk about. So the feminine side is your receptive side, your caring, your nurturing, your protective side. That is in all of us. All of us, regardless of our sexual orientation, gender, woman, whatever you have a masculine and a feminine side. But most of us have one a little bit more pronounced than the other. And that means that we have to work on the other side. The feminine side, like I was saying, is it's nurturing, receiving, receptive, loving, instinctual. The masculine side is your go-getter side. It's kind of like the side that goes and gets the work done and and uh, protects feminine, or at least it's supposed to. And so most of us are unbalanced just because we weren't taught to do that. We weren't taught in school to do that. And that depends on a lot of things that are beyond this conversation, but it depends on Venus and Mars and the sun and the moon and all of that. But I think we are at a pivotal point in humanity in which we need to start balancing those to feel whole. If you're like overworking yourself, if you're like not practicing self practicing self-care and you're oh yeah, you're very successful at your career but you're kind of burned out, that means you have to work on your feminine side. If you are sleeping too late, like don't really know what's going on or don't really know what you want and you just want things to be given to you, <laughs> well, that means you're a little bit more on the feminine too much on the feminine side and you need to balance your masculine side and be daring and go after your desires. And so the thing is like, this comes from like the older generations, right? We're talking about the Pluto in Leo and Pluto in Virgo generations that as a woman, you need to be soft and pretty and look nice. But that's why a lot of women from that, from, from the earlier, from, from the, from the closer generations to us really struggle with speaking up, saying what they think. And men also have a feminine side. But they were taught they were taught to be tough, you know. So anyway, that but when we talk about in astrology masculine and feminine, we're not talking about gender. We're talking about the two expressions of being a human, which is feminine and masculine, but we all have a masculine and feminine side. And I think that's just so important to remember that what I just don't want people to get turned off by those phrases. And if they really bother you, you can say yin and yang, you can say solar and lunar, you can, you know, change the words to fit what makes you feel comfortable. But just that big disclaimer that I'm always going to say is that this is not about gender and sexuality. This is about a psyche, like a psychic pole within the human experience. So thank you for touching on that. Of course. And I think it's really important because we just had the full moon in Gemini, right? So 
duality <laughs> yes and it is the duality <laughs> that exists in everything not just that Every, it's yes. the like you were saying light and dark good and bad higher or lower that that is a law in the universe so yeah opposites inform each other of their meaning without joy we would never know sorrow without sorrow we'd never know joy it's just the opposite side of the same human coin another thing in your book moon phases you talk about moon phases i'm a waxing gibbous and my husband's also a waxing gibbous we're two aries moons with a waxing gibbous and it, it works great and just based on how you describe waxing gibbous in the book i thought it was spot on I am constantly seeking to tweak, perfect, you know, right, like get things just right. I'm really kind of on on that. And when I get on something, I, I have to do it. it. Has to be now in the moment. I must I must complete it. So can you talk about I guess just use mine as as an example, an Aries waxing gibbous moon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way that I, I I remember my my first astrology teacher ever explain that face, it's like it's like you're pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like you're about to give birth. So it's that like it's like about to burst. It's a pretty nice face because think about it. You're here it. to do something big. You know, you're here to have the culmination of a journey, and I think that is really important. I mean, the, the, the lunar phases are, they work. But for example, someone who, were, who was born in a balsamic moon phase. Much different. They're going to be much, they could still be an Aries moon and it would be much different than me. Much different. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be as like, you know, as like, how would I say? So create, so creative. So like. I live in hyperbole. Everything is like right on the edge of like the greatest thing ever. It's just, you know, everything is right there at the precipice for me. That's how I experience life. Mm -hmm. For someone in the balsamic phase, how would you say they experience life? Well, it's, it's intense. This whole incarnation is about letting go, right? It's about endings. And so, and actually, well, I don't know if you want to talk about, we'll, we'll talk, we can talk about that later, but like 90% of the people that come to see me are in their progressed balsamic moon phase. The progressed moon is actually like the big thing that I wanted to talk about it. So if you want to get there now, we can, because I have never seen, this is going to be me giving your Leo moon, feeding it right now with my fire, but I have never seen like a book that was so beginner friendly to people to explain progressed moons. People come to me asking about progressed moons all the time. And I'm just going to say, you know, get moon signs because you made it so easy to understand so incredibly easy to understand what the progressed moon is and how to use it. Thank you. I have never experienced anything in astrology being so fascinating than the progressed moon. The, the, that, that part of the book was not meant to be in the book. Oh, I'm so glad it is. That was like, that was my favorite part of the book. Like I loved that part of the book. It wasn't supposed to be because it was, this book was designed to be for beginners, you know, like they only gave me, what is it, 20,000 words and that's nothing. So I had to figure it out. I decided to add that and I'm really glad that my editor was okay with it because I said, look, I know that it looks advanced, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be 
confusing and this like timing technique that's all you know oh it's so scary it's really not and you did an amazing job thank you did you check my online my my progressed online calculator that i have um like my software that i use so i didn't use that but i want people to look at those i created that for the book you know so you can just enter your date of birth and it will tell you in two seconds where your progressed moon is and which house it is in and what connections it is doing it is making so basically the pro- i will explain real quick what the progressed moon is yeah yes please yeah let's get there let's start there what is the progressed moon so let's just think about it this way birth charts are in static nothing is static in the universe everything's moving everything's changing and evolving so we're doing the same you are born with your chart but basically the evolution of your life is going to be depicted by the first 90 days of your of your of your existence and so the chart is going to move with time that is that is just just think about it this way the evolution of your chart some planets the outer planets are going to stay the same or move a little bit just a couple of degrees in your lifetime but the natal planets and especially the moon is going to move a degree per month and so you are basically going to experience, depending on how long you live, every single moon sign. And that's why it's so important to know the moon signs. Because, for example, I was born a Leo moon. Right now, I'm Aries moon. But my, Aries, my Pisces moon progression was super intense. Everything that happened during those two years that my progress moon was in Pisces, I wouldn't have been able to predict at all just by transits. So we're talking about the slow evolution of your chart. And so the moon is going to change every two years, change signs. And that's going to trigger everything in your chart. And it will color your overall emotional focus. That's, that's what we think, right? That's how we say it. I think the, the emotional focus, the highs and lows, and I got married and I got divorced and I had a baby and I got a job, all of that stuff is going to be depicted by the progressed moon. Because let's say you are in, a, if you're, let's, I'm just going to go with my chart just as an example. I'm Taurus rising. When I wrote that book, Moon Signs, my moon was in Capricorn in the 10th house. Well, do you think that's a life goal or not? Writing a book and publishing a book. That's a 10th house thing. That's a 10th house thing. Well, it happened exactly when my moon was going over my midheaven. When my moon was in the seventh house, I met my, my husband. So the, the, the progressed moon is like your new moon. You kind of think about it. It's not that you lose your natal moon. Your natal moon, the nativity, it will, you will always be your natal moon. But it's, it, it changes, it progresses, it learns, it experiences, and it will do it according to the sign and the house it is in. Right now, you know, I'm an Aries moon. My progressed moon is it's been in cancer for about halfway now and it's in the 10th house. So would you say that I'm an Aries moon, but I'm experiencing my emotions in a Cancerian way? Yes. Or how would you phrase that? Yes. A Cancerian way. And it's not that easy. Why? Because that's a square, right? That Your moon is squaring your natal moon. So it's like, whoa, this is a lot. But it's also great because there's a 10th house. It's great for a career. And I've grown a lot emotionally. I'm in a period of like a big emotional growth. I can see what 
the value of taking your natal moon and seeing how it acts to your progressed moon. That that's very accurate for me. I've been going, I've explored my emotions in a much deeper way than I ever have before. So, so you, you, you went on the high vibr- highest vibration. You said, oh, I can feel more. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm experiencing life through that. And it's nice because, right. So maybe it's, it's a little hard on the square, but maybe it's because it's the 10th house, you can put that feeling into what you're doing for your career. For example, me as a Leah Moon, my progression moon in Pisces was really hard. It was really hard. Now in Aries, I'm a little bit more like, ooh. Vibing. You know, yeah, just vibing. vibing. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of stuff happened during that progressed moon in Pisces. And we also, we all, the, the, the most amazing thing about the progressed moon, which I'm like absolutely obsessed with, I never do a chart reading without pulling that because I don't know where my client is. I can see their chart, but I don't know where they're at, where they're at now. You know? So the progressed moon is like where you're at in present day time mm-hmm. with things, how you're currently feeling. And I'm also wondering if it's smart to pair the progressed moon with the perfection year. Does the perfection year kind of play a role into that? I know that's a much more traditional kind of technique, but I think it could be interesting to pair those two together. They both work. They both work, but they're a little separate, you know, they are separate. Yeah. 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 What's really amazing. If you, if you really want to chart the rest of your life, mm -hmm, let's just talk about it that way. You can (laughs) with astrology, you can do everything. You really want to chart the rest of your life. You're going to use the progressed moon. Every two years is going to shift sign or house. And it's going to meet with other planets, right? For example, let's say you have Saturn in Pisces. Let's just say that since Saturn's in Pisces now. And your moon just went into Pisces. You're feeling Saturn. You're feeling Saturn, which is not something you're going to be able to predict with your natal chart. And you might not even be, say you're someone who doesn't have their natal Saturn. You're not, you're not even in your Saturn return. But if your progressed moon moved into there, it's going to almost feel like a little bit of a Saturn return because the Saturn's going to be sitting on the moon. Exactly. Oh. And that and that I'm just saying if it's someone who just came to me, right, I wouldn't have been able to predict that they had Saturn on their moon because the progressed moon. Yeah. So there's a bigger story. And going back to what I was saying, if you want to chart the rest of your life, we can you can totally do it. We also take a look at the moon phases in the progress chart. I was going to ask mm-hmm. about that. The moon phase is that because I know when it's about to be a full moon in your progress chart, like that's a big deal. Oh, my gosh. That's literally this is the these are the people who come and it's like, I just got a new job. I also got married and I'm pregnant and I'm also and everything happens around the same time. Yeah, that was me because they're going that was me my because my progressed sun is in capricorn my progressed moons in you know cancer so Mm -hmm. i quit my job when did astrology full-time got remarried got a divorce got everything everything all at once yeah so it's it's that's why it is one of the most important so those two years right those two years because the progressed moon we use a five degree orb okay it has a big orb yeah it's a bigger orb yeah five degree orb yeah it's a bigger orb so you all those like years around that time, it's literally the climax of your life. You're not going to have that again in 30 years. So that's what I was saying that literally 90% of the people that come to see me, they're in their progressed balsamic moon phase. Everything's crumbling 
the husband goes, the job goes, the friends goes, and they're like, what is happening? You're turning into the balsamic moon phase. And this is what the Demetra George calls the dark moon goddess phase, right? In which like everything's decomposing, decomposing. And, and, you, and this is when a lot of people turn to astrology. They find tarot. They find intuition. Literally, they turn into the feminine dark side. So now this is the feminine dark side. And I'm not saying that in a, in a negative way. I'm, I'm saying like, like a powerful way. It's the alchemy. It's kind of like the bruja. I call it the bruja face in which everything, your, your, your new life is going to cost you your past life. And it's, there's no going back. And, and, and everyone says like, oh, how long is this going to last, right? That's kind of like the question. And that's when you go one and a half year more. And they're like, what? And it's like, well, you have that long. Think about it this way. You have that long to go back to your essence because that's what it is all about. Yeah, it reminds me of this is probably all the fire in me. But, you know, you have the full moon where that's like the big party, right? You know, the full moon's there. And then slowly it's like party decorations that have been left out too long and they just start slowly like <laughs> decaying and like falling to the ground and like then you get to the balsamic phase and it's just like you're left with kind of this like rot this rot of everything that has fallen but that creates such a like a, a bed of humus to like plant something new you're taking it it's like it's like a compost almost mm -hmm. you're really you're composting everything and it's magical but it's hard and magic's hard. Alchemy's hard. Like it's hard to be a wizard, you know. Yeah. So it's it's not easy to transform yourself or anything in the world. Right. And and you know, if if, if people want to experience this, if they probably don't have it in their chart, most likely, I always tell my clients or my friends, you know, just sit, just sit around, right before the new moon. Just sit around. Notice how you feel. I would say the, uh, I don't know, I would say the 35 hours right before any new moon. That's the balsamic moon phase in the, moon, in, the, in the sky. Just sit around and see how you feel. It's weird. It's like there's this kind of like intensity. You don't know. You're uncomfortable. You don't know exactly what it is. And it's like, oh, and your body's achy and you're feeling tired. But if you pull your tarot deck or your oracle cards, it's going to be super charged with this magic. And so imagine two years of that. But then there's a renaissance, right? Oh, that's a good way to put a renaissance. I love that. And yeah. you can predict that to the day on when that's going to happen. And, and you start feeling that renaissance even before. You know, in astrology, you, you, you start feeling things before they happen. You can predict that very closely to, to the actual date. And there's this huge renaissance of you that's going to take you for the next 30 years of your life. So of course, that's going to be a very meaningful time. The way I see it is like you have two years to find that renaissance. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. This is honestly, I didn't, early on in my astrological career, I didn't use progressed moons. But as I've gotten more into lunar things and just the moon in general, it's it has, like you said, it's one of the staples and it's one of, I think, the easiest timing techniques to work with. And again, that's why I loved how you broke it down and just made it so simple to understand because it's a simple technique and it's an accurate technique. It's a very accurate timing technique. I think people should be using it. I think they should use it to look at, okay, I'm an Aries moon, but I'm currently experiencing 
my Ariesness through the lens of Cancer. And then in a couple in a year, I'll experience it through the lens of Leo. And I can see how I, as a human, am taking in this this human experience in different ways. I love the way you're saying it through the lens, you know, because it's really funny. Sometimes <laughs> I tell my clients, well, you're no longer a Gemini, you're a Cancer. And they're like, what? I don't like Cancer. And I was like, you better like it, honey, because he's going to stay with you for years. You. And it's mm -hmm. like, because we have these preconceived notions of the signs, right? But the way I see progressions, the way you put it, I love, is that how do you want to manifest that sign? Right. How, 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 what do you like about that sign? For example, when I had my progress money Pisces, I've always liked music and I was going through a lot. And so my husband gifted me um, a set of singing bowls. Oh, that's cool. And so I was so into this. I haven't done them as much lately, but literally I, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety and kind of like intensity. Emotion. I was crying almost every day when my progress money Pisces. <laughs> I'm glad it's over. Um, I let all the tears go. I just like, you know what? It, and a lot of the times he was crying from happiness. Yeah. It wasn't just sadness. It was just a lot of emotion. And playing the singing bowls would bring me a sense of peace. You know, so Pisces music. Other people are going to want to swim all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I'm into swimming. And you'll look and the moon just enter Pisces. You know, things like that. How are you going to, how would you like to create this progression? That's what I also tell my clients. It's not that the progression creates you. How do you want to experience through the lens of your natal moon, this other side? And that kind of puts things in perspective because they say, oh, it's up to me. I say, yes, of course it's up to you. What do you like about Leos or the Leo sign? Focus on that try to work with that part of your personality because we have all 12 signs within us and our progressed moon is a really good opportunity to work on that archetype of ourselves that that lens of ourselves it's a good chance to work with it absolutely and uh and then it, it writes a story right so kind of like the tarot that has a story that the cards have a sequence the progressed moon also has a sequence after Leo, you're in a Virgo, you're in a Libra, you're in a Scorpio. And so that's how you can map your entire life with the progressed moon, because you know exactly which sign is going to enter at what time, for how long it's going to stay there, which other planets is going to activate. That's why I really wanted to put it in there and found a way to do it very simple, because I really wanted to bring people into the magic of the moon, but it goes beyond just knowing your natal moon. Again, I'm so glad that you put this in there. Your book, Moon Signs, Unlock Your Inner Luminary Power is absolutely amazing. And I'm so thankful that our paths crossed and I got to talk to you. And I think people will understand their moon a lot better. You say in the book where you're like, you know, check back with this. this is, it's a great reference for when your progressed moon does change. So you can read up on it and be like, OK, well, what is my moon? What's the lens of my moon now? So I'm really grateful that people have this. Can you tell everyone? What else you have going on? What's going on in the year 2024 for you where people can find you? All those good things. Thank you so much for having me here, Pierre. It was super fun to talk to you. I write for astrology.com. So I write um, monthly forecasts, a yearly forecast there. I write for a lot of publications too. You can find my work on women's health, cosmopolitan, 
well and good. And I am a retrograde lover, believe it or not. Do you have any natal retrograde? Mercury. Okay. Okay. In Sagittarius. And I'm a writer. And that's why I always say I have a Mercury in Sagittarius and I'm a podcaster. Like you, the detriment means nothing to me. Well, you know, the detriment, I think it's because you have it in detriment. You're going to work with that planet. You and know? I think it allows us a freedom to do it how we want. And how about thinking big? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, I only have Mercury retrograde in my and, and I love Mercury retrogrades for magic and things like that and for alchemy. But anyway, I, I created, I've been working with retrogrades for years and years, for over a decade now. And so I created a, a 2024 retrograde guide. And it's going to be free for everyone that wants to download it on my website, naramon.com. I think a lot of 2024 too for me is expanding on my Akashic Records practice. I trained to do this this year for six months, and it was an unforgettable experience. It's really trippy. Literally, we, we could do another podcast just talking about how Akashic Records relates to astrology. It's super trippy. So I'm like diving deeper into that. All right. Well, do you have social media? Where can people find you then? Yes. Yes. Uh, Narayana Nara, Nara Montufar. So that's my Instagram where I post the most. I do forecasts with House of Intuition, which is one of the websites I write for too, House of Intuition in LA. Uh, Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific time, I go online and I do a little meditation and then I share what's going on for the week. Yeah, so I'm around. I'll put everything in the show notes, all your links. You can find Ariana on Instagram, everywhere, website, all kinds of places. So I will put all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here today. This was wonderful. And make sure everyone, you buy the book Moon Signs, Unlock Your Inner Luminary Power. Thank you. 